That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Alright, we're ready to go? Everybody got it. I got like a lot of wine gum going on right now. Give me a sec. <laughs> really? Really? Uh, you guys gonna go? Yeah. Okay. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Hobby Nate in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me this week are... Dan. Ward. Mike. Steve. <laughs> Ward, what was that? I grabbed him. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> wow. All right, I really not. wish I could see... Like, hand check. <laughs> Hands on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> okay. Um, well, because I'm kind of curious as to what Ward got really squealishly excited about. That's for, uh... Should I take my money? Yes, yes. Okay, we're doing that right now. Okay, all right. So, Ward, start. Uh, so, Frontline Gaming has right now, I would say, a monopoly on, uh, the... Fat mats. Fat mats with the kind of mouse pad backing. If you want something larger than a 3x3, yeah. But, uh, there is a company that is starting to make them now called Deep Cut Studios. What? Yeah. Your personal favorites. Yeah. So they, they've made yeah. masks I don't before, know. but not the mouse pad. They haven't. Type stuff. They haven't done the mouse pad. Yeah. They've just they've done cloth now, and then the vinyl uh, masks. They're good quality vinyl. Fantastic quality, right? With the the imaging but, on it. Yeah, but what's the imaging on? My only thing is, what's the imaging on the cloth now? Because that is the only reason why. It beat the other one for me. It's because it was so crisp and clear on the vinyl. Are they going to be able to get something in between for that's, the cloth? That's that's right? the thing, right? Like right now, the pictures I saw from their Facebook group was just like all the boxes of like the material, the material itself. So they're going to be start coming out with them, I think, shortly. And I'm very interested. How to many see dozen what are you going to buy? I'm going to probably buy one to start off with and see what the quality of the image is. I on would that. be surprised if they can get the same like. Just the way that the fibers are on this material, Absolutely. they can get the same DPI. But I mean, like, but considering the amount of images that they're pumping out compared to Fat Matt, like, you'll probably now the variety on their website true. is. I mean, that is that is their only business, big. really. At the end of the day, and the one nice so. thing about uh, the deep cut instead of the front line, and I know this is not necessarily meant to be a front to Steve, but the no, fr- I, I have the, no the deep cut. <laughs> they do uh, a wider variety of game systems that they cater to, whereas front lines really kind of only pushing War Machine and 40k. Like, you can kind of get a little bit of fantasy, but who the fuck plays that anymore now? <laughs> well, Age of Sigmar? Shh. It's not fantasy. <laughs> okay, get your terminology right. Fine, AOS. Uh, no, but you're right. They they don't do as much in the way of... They have a lot more of like sci-fi techy kind yeah. of stuff. But admittedly, they also do have a ton of uh, star mats and that kind of stuff. Star mats, yes, but typically it's only like two designs, yeah. like... Yeah. Uh, deep Cut's got probably at least over six. No, I think designs, I think right? the and Deep Cut nice. stuff could be really good. And I, like I said, I have no. Per- the only reason that I like this particular mat is it that we're actually podcasting on that nobody can see. Uh, is because it's totally designed for 40k. It's got all the deployment zones marked yeah. out. That is, and, that's and you can only- spill beer and it doesn't stain. That is, that is true. Just like um, the magical old mats that you just. That stain. I found out why though. It just goes straight through because it's paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, um, plastic f- grass taped to paper oddly enough is basically <laughs> what they did so I'm going to follow this up uh, my shut up and take my money is going to be another company also making the fat mat style mats Ooh. but specifically from Malifaux uh, Ebenezer Screw is the name of the company uh, they're very new are they and- cheap? Um, they're kind of in the same price range as the fat mats right. but they, they do the th- kind of well no it's cheaper than that because they're 3 by 3s oh okay um, so I think they're like a little under 50 bucks. Mm. But they've got these really intuitive marking outs 
much like this has for 40k, but for fan or for warm or Malfo. Fuck, my brain's off. Uh, so Sigmar, let's go with that too. Why not? So <laughs> on the Bayou table, they've actually got little rickety um, walkways going between the actual grassy patches over the swamps and oh, mark cool. up little delineate deployment zones and whatnot. That's that's good. So like uh, that. they're gonna get my vote. Also, the wow. same kind of mats. All right. Yeah. Okay, now we're fortuitous. I want to take a little bit of a, just a minor, minor detour. Is anybody, so I have this, the fat mat, and I like it. I've kind of been jonesing to go back to, like, an old school, like, serious table, like, uh, full foam scenery, that kind of stuff. Like, not just flat cloth. It's in the works for me for Malifaux, because <sighs> I want to do a bayou table with one foot by one foot sections. Yeah. There's something that just, it's... It's not this looks good, but it's not as showy, and I'm kind of jonesing to do some terrain. You see, you've got the you've got the room that you can do it. Yeah, fair enough. Right, so I mean that's not a bad thing, but I mean. Mm, Anyways, this is total tangent. I have the secret weapon miniatures tables that I'm not even going to bother doing anything with those tiles until I have somewhere to like set up a table of that size. Yeah, they're just going to sit on the shelf until I move again. Well, that's the other thing. I, like we talked about this before, but like the GW uh, pre-cast stuff, whatever you want to call it. Everybody has Realm it. of Battleboard. Realm of Battle, that's it. Uh, and it's that old school, like, walk into a GW and see the crazy tables the staff had built. That's yeah. kind of gone, and I kind of, I have a Jonesing for that. There's definitely back. something for that, like, handcrafted yeah. as opposed to store-bought prefab. Because you've got a speed table here, admit it. It's oh, yeah. throw down the mat, throw the terrain, go. Yep. But it's not hilly terrain, it's not. Nope. Forming it's, terrain. It, it's I mean, not the old city fight table yeah. from, like, 14 years ago. Yeah. When you'd go in and you'd play 40k vets nights just to play on that board that was super shitty, and had but it like, was different and cool. It was it was an awesome looking table, impossible to play on, but it was so <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> That's true. Do you guys remember the old Mortheim table that had like, yes. the sewers and the yeah. streets? Yes, and I do remember stuff. that. Where yeah, they would actually cool. have everything was built out of foam, and then you do the Envirotex to get the yes. yeah, throw sewer. Yeah. Like they, yeah. Most of it was built up just so you could have those sewers yeah. and the crest areas. Like yeah, I want to awesome. do that, and I, I think we I think we should. I think if we do, I think if we do a uh, hobby day in Canada, are we pushing it back just so we have sweeter boards? Probably. Do we want to do this? We could. Do we want to spend a weekend just building an absolute badass for, for table s- for Steve in his basement? But for no. every, <laughs> but for every game system, do a sweet ass table for every game. System. Like we do a three by three and then a uh, six by four, just two tables. That's it. Yeah. Could be interesting. This like, is just similar. Dave's way of getting us to do all the work. Holy shit! Yes, no, no. Is. But we can all. No, no. We <laughs> but you can benefit actually, from this because when I'm you getting. come over and play Infinity, you're going to be like, "That's no, no, sick." No. Here's the trick: everyone, we pick a, a game system we want a cool table for, Battletech. and then we all work together to build. Okay, it. We, we've ruined the idea. Dan started talking about Battletech. Well, it'll have shut so up and take my hexagons. Yeah. Okay, Dan. hexagons as far Dan, as what the is eye your shut up and take my money now? Since we need to immediately get you on a different topic, I'm just going to say hexagons. All right, Mike. I'm actually really. I think the new. Armada stuff is supposed to come out right away. I really want to get a hold of all that stuff. Oh, Stars, Star Wars, yes. Armada. Okay. <laughs> I, Not the Firestorm. I no. had a confused look on my face because I was like, wait, are we talking about Battlefield? No, no, we're talking uh, about Starfleet Armada. Or Star, yeah. yeah, Star Wars Armada. Sorry. Star, <laughs> Starfleet. Yeah, there's a lot of stars out there. Star okay. Wars Armada. Armada. Yes, some of their, their new stuff does actually. Yes, it's cool. the Mon Calamari stuff. Yep. Oh yeah, like Home One and stuff. Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm. I actually was like, all right, I, I don't like Armada, but eh, I'd give it another shot. Just <laughs> having an Akbar card is worth the price of admission. Yeah. Um, do, do they have a uh, Grand Moff Tarkin or whatever his name is uh, for Armada? Or is he just in? The he new? might be in the Star Destroyer one. 
I can't remember. He should be part of the Death Star one. Oh man, can you imagine if they do a Death Star? Like, <laughs> oh, like, oh, <laughs> um, on a single little shit. I kind of feel like what they should do is get like a Death Star printed beach ball that when someone's being a douche, you just spike it in their face. <laughs> Preferably directly onto their models. Yeah, this is like game over, man. Fuck you. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. My miniatures can't repel firepower of that magnitude. <laughs> Ooh, I just went and checked out the picture. Yeah, okay. All right, Mike wins. Hang on. I told you it's they're pretty some pretty hot. So, it's the cool stuff coming out right away. I'm gonna ruin your day, Mike. Why? Because I know you hate what I'm going to say is my shut up and take my uh, money. It's 40k stuff. Oh shit. No, and it's not cool. only 40k, it's one of your most hated 40k factions. The 30k Blood Angels Horus Heresy. Uh, the Kool-Aid Marine. Actually, I the like 30K oh, yeah. takes, <laughs> takes the edge away. If it was 40k Blood Angels, then it would be total hate. I, I wouldn't even be able to sit beside you. They have less Why do you hate nipples? Blood Angels? Is it the nipples the or the Rhino rush, rush? The Rhino Back Rush. Back from 3rd Ed? Yes. wasn't that most fun when you could charge up any vehicle. Um, but no, the, the, they previewed them from a... Some open day, I don't know which one it was, but they we have far too many that yeah. are far too far away. I know mm-hmm. uh, we there's no relevance to us. They're somewhere in Europe, um, but they have basically the uh, third Mark III iron armor with a bunch of um, actually reduced Blood Angel symbols. There's less blood drops and there's no nipples, so I'm into it. Really, yeah, Blood Angels without the normally nipples the other would way be around. a lot cooler. Pardon me? What? <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> I feel like it was degrading to me. No. Nope. No. No, it wasn't no. actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was insightful into me. <laughs> I'll also leave that one. <laughs> That's all. Right? Okay. Seriously, Dan, what was your shot up and take my buddy? Oh, shit. Now I'm trying to remember. <laughs> um, I ruined it for you. I'm sorry. I, I may have derailed myself by talking about hexagons was too much. Was it something um, to do with Star Wars? Well, the, the X-Wing Wave 8, I didn't really talk about last time because I, I hadn't really had a chance to look into any of that stuff yet. But like okay, the, yeah. the Punisher, that kind of stuff. Yeah, the uh, the Punishing One. The Well, that's Wave 7 is the TIE Punisher. The really? Punishing One is like uh, Dengar ship. Wave 8. Yeah, so Wave 8 has, like, the, the Jumpmaster 5000, greatest name ever. Sweet. Can I get one? Actually, <laughs> not until, that, like, Christmas, probably. Is that the for um, is it scum? scum and Villainy? Yes. I am totally going to buy the Jumpmaster 5000. I'm going to buy four. It's the same band, uh, or it's a band that plays with Powermaster 5000 or something. Really? No, I don't are you ready to go? <laughs> but <Ow>. uh, <laughs> no, no, that's really distracting. But uh, no, so the way beat stuff looks pretty cool. There's the uh, the ghost and the phantom from Star Wars Rebels. There's the uh, tie advanced prototype that the Sith Inquisitor uses on the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And oh, I think cool. I'm forgetting one other one, the Mist Hunter, which is another small base bounty hunter ship that actually has an illicit cloaking device. So. It is the first non-tie like tie phantom ship that can cloak. Cool. But it has a built-in mechanic, too, where every time, every turn you are cloaked, you roll a dice at the end of the turn, and if you roll an eyeball, you actually lose that ability for the rest of the game. Oh, so it breaks down? It's yeah. pretty shitty. It's, it's illicit, <laughs> one might even say. <laughs> so that's actually pretty cool that uh, there's finally another ship in the game that uses that cloaking cool. mechanic again, and it's. It, I think it'll be pretty neat. Yeah, I always like the phantom. The phantom's fun to play. Really, really brutal when you screwed it up. Right, Ward? <laughs> yeah, not particularly yeah. forgiving. <laughs> fun, though. Really, really fun while you're cloaking and being all cool until you totally just get absolutely one shot. Oh, no, I clipped an asteroid. I kill myself and then don't get to shoot and don't get to recloak. And yeah, it's just all bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Right. Rock on. Okay. Um, I think that's going to be it for the first part. So let's get right into the first topic for the just episode like then. I'd say shame on you for skipping this week in hobby because you did Oh, we did skip it. You fucking did it on purpose, you <laughs> assholes. I fucking no. know you did. No. 
We didn't. We didn't. Shame. Do it no, no, no. We're actually no, no, Mike. We're changing the topic to what did Mike do in hobby? Yeah. Okay. There we go. There. I shame. Shame. I hobby. You partially painted a solitaire. I can't remember what I hobbied. Actually, <laughs> you're very can't. compelling right now. All right, Steve, I, I you're done. You. Mike, what did Mike do this week in hobby? hobby? I almost finished up uh, McMorning's crew. Nice. Plus an extra auto a flesh construct and a couple more dogs. I thought he was flesh construct. Pl- 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 <laughs> <laughs> auto erotic asphyxiation. Pl- plus and an no, extra goatsy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I bet you a flesh construct. Is, is yeah, no, 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 it I'm actually not. really is. I'll show you my flesh construct. Oh God. Awkward. Okay, this is upsetting me. I did. I did paint a model. This sure, week, you but did. I can't Steve. remember what it was. Was sure. it forty k? Uh, yes. Let's play the guess. Ha- guess who game of Steve's painting? Did it have nipples? Was my dark elder. <laughs> was it your dark elder? You know what? I might. I might not have. I might be actually. Yeah, you, you, because it was only. It's one only. Week. It's only it's been only a week. One week. That's why you don't see the finished photos because it takes me two weeks to do a crew. Oh, it's gonna be the episode of really shitty, right. horrible so, 90s music references. And in the Tom, background. I'm gonna go with nothing. And Dan, I'm gonna graphic go with design nothing. work for BattleTech Aids. Mm, I did see that. That's not a hobby. I do like BattleTech Aids. <laughs> Actually, no, that <laughs> the was, best kind of Aids. That and was the most contagious. I want to say that's probably <laughs> the, the coolest thing that's happened for the BattleTech game in a while. Actually, good looking <laughs> cards because that's a big deal. No, it's good looking Aids. Yeah. <laughs> okay, continuing on, Lord. did you did you hobby? I did, yeah. What you hobby? So you, there's a picture of you eating paint. Yes, there's a picture of me eating paint. Been way better if it was paste. Uh, you know what? Honestly, <laughs> anything that I say though right now apparently won't count because yes, it's not because Ken Bish is the best. All <laughs> worn out because I did not work on any Imperial fists. So, but no, I uh, me and Mike are playing a game of Drop Zone on Thursday, so oh, nice. I got the Ruinscape. So I've been building those buildings, just finishing them up, and then I've actually been working on some drop zone for playing on Thursday as well. Nice. What? <laughs> Nothing. But not Imperial Fists. But not Imperial Fists. No. That's totally what I'm talking about right now. Mm-hmm. No fisting. Doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so on the topic of drop zone, um, let's get a little bit more into detail about, because I know we've talked a lot about drop zone on the, on the podcast, but we've never really given people a real introduction as to how they should maybe approach getting into the game. And maybe kind of outlining what some of the factions are, and maybe some of the differences between how they would play. Should yeah, approach sure. cautiously and avoid eye contact. Mm, yes, that's <laughs> very important. The way that it was, I, it was that dogs or bears or something. That I, that's an animal of some sort, for sure. <laughs> but uh, no, drop zone is actually um, a fairly friendly game to get into because the miniature scale is that ten millimeter scale, yes. so it's a lot easier to paint up for an initial sort of uh, player. Yep. <laughs> Don't ask. Don't ask. Don't worry. Tom no being keep directly going. on topic. Just keep going. <laughs> you were saying. I can't prompt you with what you were saying. Uh, I've kind of lost my train of thought. How about we go the easiest way to get started? It's a try. Hand your visa over and them? buy a bunch of models. No. Um. So yeah. So it's. A <laughs> we literally have the worst host ever. Completely <laughs> derailed the podcast. Also, he, as he's he, sitting there choking to death, I showed him an infinite goatception again. So oh, I did not help. He is a child. <laughs> anyway, drop zone. So, Tom, Jimmy Fallon, the absolute shit out of our segment. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, um, All it takes is candy shaped like sperm. Apparently, that's true. Um, if you want to know what we're referencing, please watch The Old Prospector. It's probably one of the greatest skits ever, and yeah, he, he Jimmy Fallon did. So, we were talking about Drop Zone and what it would take to get into the game if you're a newer player. Mm-hmm. So, we were mentioning that it is a little bit friendlier to the uh, somebody that's new to wargaming because it is that smaller scale. It's a little easier to get away with some of the more basic uh, painting techniques. 
frankly, that scale, in my opinion, lends yeah. itself really well to dry brushing, those kind of things. But maybe you should right, look Mike? at your uh, first initial purchase. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, uh, there's more than one way to come at it. You can either buy the Cityscape well, and I think, one box. I think the easiest way to start it, by far, if you don't have anybody out there that's... Uh, in your area that started it, is to find a friend and buy the starter set. That yes, starter set is absolutely. a phenomenal deal. It's the best way to go, but I'm just saying, if you don't want to go that way, you do have options. Yeah, for other. sure. They do. Each army has a starter box. Yes, and they're plastic now for yes. just about all of them except for Resistance, which is about 50 Canadian unless the U.S. dollar has destroyed us completely again. Yeah, I think you can probably see that going up. Yeah, it might bit, go up a little bit. I'm just saying, and the Cityscape is about the same price. So for 100 bucks, you can get one yeah. player and the Cityscape, whereas for 125 bucks, you get two players in the Cityscape. Well, basically half a Cityscape. Yeah. It's not a full one, so yeah, it's a really good that's idea. True, that's true. It's a really good idea if you are going to play uh, the Scourge and UCM with your friends to pick up two boxes. Yep. And the Cityscape is the cardboard yes. foldable scenery buildings, yeah. which actually look really quite good, too. They're, oh, yeah, for starter scenery, it's actually awesome. And the thing that... Uh, surprised me the most about the starter set because you you uh, I gave, I gave you one of the maps. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, is the the streets because the backside of it, it's a really cool poster. Yeah, so even when you're done with that and you move on to a better table, you actually have a really badass poster that comes with yeah, it. That the, was your table. It's the picture from the starter box. Yeah, right? and as you see them flying. Yep. Um, so moving into the actual starter sets themselves, I think everybody around here except for Dan is interested in playing the game or is playing the game. Not um, the hexagons. Oh, God damn it. If you don't shut up, I'm throwing one of these $7 paints at you. God damn it. Not my $7 GW new paints. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's a little bad. We'll talk about that later. Um, so I guess I'll start since I can't <laughs> if I send it to anybody over that side of the table to derail it. Yeah. Just Jimmy Fallon it completely. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm having playing, another fuzzy peach. But one you know what? Why don't we go over what each of the races are like to play? Yeah. So uh, like I said, I'll start. Uh, I'll start with the Sheltari. Currently, there are five. We're going to start with the Sheltari. Okay. <laughs> there are five, yes. That's true. Spoiler, there's going to be eight eventually. Yes, yes there definitely are. Um, the Sheltari, basic, for people that are familiar with other game systems, they're, they play like the Eldar. That's the easiest way to compare them to somebody that knows 40K. They're jinky. They are tricky. They have different, uh, they don't use dropships, they use gates, which are sort of the same, but you can reuse them and you can bump between gates, which is a little different. Uh, their infantry is like Wraith Guard is to Imperial Guard. Yes, they're, they're tough. tough. They're really into. Uh, <laughs> damn it, <Tom. laughs> They're they're really hard to dislodge from a building, but you don't get a lot of them. Yeah, that's true. They're they're high numbers, but they're probably the fastest and the most elite, maybe yes. outside of the PHR. Speaking of the PHR, uh, that is the faction that I collect. Uh, so the PHR are the post-human republic. They are kind of like cyborgs, slightly. So they're, they're actually really cool. They they have a lot of technology. They basically left the humans uh, to venture out on their own, and then they're like, "Hey, let's make some awesome mechs and such." Well, let's be honest here. You're you're, you're a PHR player. You're not you're not giving the UCM a fair shake. They didn't just leave the UCM. The UCM were getting their ass kicked by the scourge, mm -hmm. and they fucked off with some really cool technology in the middle of a battle. Yeah, with half of the fight. With half force. of the fleet. Well, yeah. I mean, what, what are you, what, <laughs> that's they awesome. screwed a man. They, that's what that's gonna, true. They were I, full battle time. I would compare them to Kerensky. So, therefore... Oh, actually, they had the Exodus. That's true. They did have the Exodus, except way worse. Because they <laughs> fucked over humanity. And they formed a... They're not really humans anymore. That's true. The Starling no. didn't really have any threats other than itself. <laughs> yeah, and the... the uh, <laughs> humanity <laughs> literally had lost Earth. They yeah. had been chased from Seoul. Mm -hmm. uh, like they were leaving the solar system because 
Earth was completely devoured by the Scourge. Yeah. They didn't let AT&T take over? No, they did not. I, w- I would say <laughs> the comparable army to 40k, again, to compare something for reference, would be Nurgle. So, I mean, like, I'm slower, I'm tougher, compared to a lot of other armies. Yeah, uh, that would be gameplay-wise, for sure. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I like about them the most is they have some of the coolest infantry. We'll talk about the sirens later, but they're all cyborgs, effectively. Yeah. Really cool. And they talk in the fluff about how when regular humans see PHR, they're unnerving because they're just so alien, despite the fact that they are human. They don't move like humans. They don't talk like humans. They're just kind of, like, they, they're they very bizarre. I like them. I think they're cool. Yeah. Well, I guess I have the rest of the fractions. No, yeah, I'll, I'll, do, I'll, I'll do one. I'll do one. Okay, there you go. Okay, you'll Tom, do one on do behalf one. of Mike. I'll hold them eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just broke. You know what we should? We should mention, because I will leave... Yours is the newest. Yeah, we'll leave mine to last. We'll leave yours yeah. to last. You have the remaining two factions. Which yes. are the two in the starter set. Yes. And you also have my faction, too. And yes. I have your faction as well. And, and, and the one that I want to play. Yeah, and I'm starting parts two. You have a, oh god damn it, Mike! Yeah, you literally no, all saw, five. Fuck! No, he's gonna have every faction painted before each one of us has one. Yep, because you suck, Steve. I do. I will. That will not happen on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> and I count the eight. Okay. I'm counting the eight. The ones that are out. Yeah, those still count. You have to paint those before I finish mine. Oh, <laughs> You're gonna have to wow. confiscate his dry brushes. <laughs> okay, play styles. Let's let's see. UCM is human. It's human, obviously, uh, but uh, what the biggest thing is, is they're not too heavy, they're not super light, they're not super fast, they're kind of the in-between, they're like Imperial Guard, I guess. Like so what is Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Uh, the uh, United Colonies of Man. Yeah. Cool. And basically, they're That's kind of in the middle of the know. road, but they have a lot of options, they have a lot of things they can do. And they can move fast. They have a lot of infantry that gets killed really easy. Oh, yeah. They literally are the guard in that respect. <laughs> Their tanks are... It's not guard, Steve. Astro Militarum. Right. Okay. Thank you for correcting me. I'll correct you on fantasy. You correct me on 40k. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is that? When the fuck am I ever going to talk about fantasy? <laughs> That's true. You mean uh, Age of Sigmar? Age of Sigmar. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Corrected. But you see him. You see Very versatile. Very much guard. Their okay. tanks are Lehman Russes. Their infantry are... Guard. Yeah. Scourge are lighter. They don't have as high armor, but they are fast. Yes. They are, I think, one of the fastest. I don't even think you can match some of the stuff with no. the way it moves so fast. No. Uh, especially, their, especially their tanks. Yes, their tanks. tanks are very fast. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but I think they move eight. And most tanks move four, six, maybe if you're lucky, two on Fast some. skimmer can move nine, six if you want to shoot. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can move nine and shoot. Yeah. So, like I said, very fast, very versatile, but not as heavily armored. They get hit, they die. And also super short-ranged. Yes. Very short-ranged. to be honest, their anti-air is scary as shit. Oh, yeah. Probably the best in the game, yes. frankly. What would you compare them to with a different game system? If we're, if we're comparing everything else to 40k. They're fast and in your face. They have very short range. I'm going to say Tyranids? That would be... That would yeah, be probably. Good. And they are. Tyranids of Tyranids were good. Yeah. Mm, uh, Tyranids actually are pretty good. That's, that's the And you even get into the Gene Stealer cult aspect because a lot of their troopers, it's not that they have... Uh, like their own little infantry, they're oh, all no, like no. brain-possessed humans. All so, yeah, scourge don't have an actual scourge unit. Like they don't have no. a single scourge 
their life tanks form. are actually a life form and they're the parasite controlling it. Yeah, the main infantry that you have with Scourge are actually just humans that have been colon- like harvested yep. from the colony worlds that have huh. been taken over by a, by a brain parasite. Yeah. So kind of like husks, really. Yeah. Husks, very much like husks from Mass Effect. But the other thing that's cool is they are heavy infantry are another... Uh, the artwork for those guys are aw- is yeah awesome. the razor worms are basically another uh, defeated life form that yep. they've taken over they've and taken they use their bodies to just and, destroy. But the scourge do have it hands down the best infantry heavy infantry in the game. Yeah, they will even beat uh, firstborns. Yes, for Sheltari. That, that sounds really, one. really fucking metal. They're going to beat Firstborns. <laughs> <laughs> they do. The Firstborns, if you have the right uh, supporting stuff, can maybe win, but, you, oh, man, they're pretty crazy, yeah. They're really good. But anyways, that's kind of... Crushing of babies aside. Yeah. yeah. That's really, really what I was going <laughs> And then the last faction that is currently out is... The Resistance. If <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody hears that, that's perfect. Right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I didn't even. I kind of want to just let it go. Yeah, I hope. I hope that shows up on the mic actually right now. It's kind of. Oh, my wow. wife's phone is ringing, and it, it's, it's like sci-fi. It's the sci-fi iPhone ringtone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but no, the cool thing about the Resistance is that they're the basic backstory, which we've kind of talked about before, is that they're the humans that were left behind, and so they have been fighting with the Scourge for the last however long. They've been left on the planet. 100 years? Depending on which book Depending you're Depending upon which book you are. They've been there for a couple hundred years. Yeah. I think it's 150 years before they go back. They leave and they come back. Oh, okay. Years Fair enough. Uh, and the really cool thing about the skirt, or about the resistance, they're kind of broken down into two factions. Yeah. One is the very militant faction that is very similar in a lot of aspects to the UCM. Obviously, there's are subtle differences in unit types. Yeah, and, that and they're also the ones that group up with the UCM. First. Immediately yes. when they come back. Immediately when they come back. Yeah. Yes, and they so they can take UCM in their army. Yes, yeah. So they very much have a similar, more generalist style mm-hmm. uh, to the UCM, and then you also have the more Mad Max, the um, feral, the ferals, the ferals uh, in the Resistance. Totally Mad Max. Are like riding fucking beat up motorbikes, and they've got school buses that they've recommissioned into gun web platforms. And, and their special characters and warlords are Mad Max. Some of them have descended in and are no better than the Scourge to their populations. Like yeah. Some of them are just dicks, like warlords. Yeah, absolutely. So, they d- they obviously appeal to me a lot uh, from the aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible to your fellow humans. Yes. <laughs> I'm really happy that's where, like, you took that joke because, woo, I tell you what, you can hear that way differently. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know, but the, if you haven't looked at the resistance, or, uh, resistance stuff, you need to take a look at their dropships. Because yeah. their dropships are super cool. They either have, they have some hovercraft, first of all, which are their Kind of their heavier dropships that are just totally different than They've anything else. Also, got straight up foot gland tunneling tanks. Yep, they have yeah, tunneling that's, tanks. Actually, you need those tunnels, just so you know they're really important. And they're they're planes. Oh, I'm getting across between like a Lancaster and a modern jet bomber. An Osprey, almost yeah. some of them. Yeah, yeah, really cool stuff. Very there are special different. rules where they get to crash and kill the crew all the time. Uh, no, they do not. So they're not <laughs> totally taken from an Osprey. Then uh, they do. Every dropship can crash. Yes, and you, it can when explode it and kill stuff. Neat. But that's everybody. That's not just them. Okay. <laughs> so one of the things about Drop Zone that makes it a very uh, interesting game, especially if you're starting out, is every army has basically the equivalent units. Everybody has anti-air. Everybody has anti-tank. Everybody has infantry. And at least in the gen- in the generic archetypes. Yeah, the generic archety- archetypes for sure. There's a there, just so you know, there is a little bit of leeway here and there, but in general, everybody has something that's close to what. And they've the done a really has. good job. Um, 
balancing everything, but yes. keeping the flavor. So my Shaltari have a passive armor save, which basically means they are the only uh, units in the game that get to make a save after taking damage. Nope, PHR has I've some of the, some of the PHR does, but yeah. Shaltari almost universally yeah, have a passive that is five. True. Um, but they have super light armor, so that passive five makes up for the fact that they have terrible armor, where the UCM have much higher armor. Yes, and so um, the PHR. PHR have much higher armor, but they they actually have two hit points for a lot of their tanks, whereas and they, they only get to take two. So the game is incredibly balanced. It's very tough to play a starter set game that's going to feel like you just totally got outclassed. Yes, absolutely. Um, which is which is one of the things with most other starter sets I find. Uh, there's usually a faction that is much better. Can be pretty one-sided, yeah. Yeah, this is like never... Dark Eldar splinter rifles against a land speeder yeah. all over again. That's kind of what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, hey, that was the greatest starter set of all time, boys. The current starter it sold set... sold a lot of Space Marine armies. The current starter set, right, has a, has a Hellbrute that I don't think the Marines really have much of an answer to either. <laughs> well, they've got Terminators. They've got an Assault Cannon and some Power Fists. That's it. That's a... Really couple good of way plasma guns. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it can be a little. That's, yeah. Their starter sets point are they're not super balanced. This one is. Yes, you yes. will get good games out of it, especially if you're starting. Out. Although I think one of the things worth really mentioning is that the it, not just the starter set, but the game is really balanced. Yes, right? this one guy um, who almost does everything. For the game. Well, he did. He started out doing it in his garage. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. I have his card upstairs because I've actually met him. This is terrible. Uh, we're oh, supposed to do an interview wow. with him for a while. Wow. Were we? Um, yeah, we were. Dave. Dave from Hawk. Dave from Hawk. We should still. Are we? Is that still on the That's table? That's still on the table. Okay, we should do that. Um, but uh, he did it all on his base. He did all the artwork, all the sculpting, all the photography, all the rules writing for the for phase one, and then he brought people on board. Okay. So it's like. Unbelievable that it he would baby. that kind of work. The is quality insane. of work that he did, like single handedly, is yes. pretty phenomenal. You don't get that very often. Yeah, I uh, couldn't agree more. And uh, the love of the game for them, like they did the drop fleet full scale, well, not full scale, obviously, <laughs> uh, but they did a drop that would fleet be awesome. model in the scale of drop zone. Just for oh, fun. yeah, it's huge. It's yeah, huge. it was really ten, cool. 10 feet. 10 feet, it's 10 and, feet and, a, and that's 120 and that's, Ospreys. And that's the small ship. How many? How many did they have for drop ships? That, well, that was the, the big. Something? It was the big UCM drop ships. What are those ones? No, it wasn't the, the Condors. Big ones. It's the Condors. It was the Condor. It was the Medium. Condors. Oh, it was Medium. medium. It wasn't okay. the. It wasn't the Albatross. Gotcha. Okay. So, but yeah, no, like there's just racks and racks of them on both sides. Yeah. yeah you don't realize rows. what those, those those glowing rolls are until you get close. You realize there's a whole actual drop zone size model. Uh, but that's just his project that he wanted to do because. It's his, it's his baby. And it shows in the way the, the game plays, the way the rules are written. Uh, me and Mike have played a bunch of games. Uh, it's always a blast. Yeah, and the, it's close, too. The way the infantry works is it's not like 40K where the infantry has a direct effect on tanks and that kind of thing. They support your tanks. Tanks support your infantry. But they fight separate battles, and they do separate things on the on yeah. the. But they're also essential for a lot of the scenarios. Oh, totally. Yeah, you, buildings you need, aren't so good at... Or Sorry, Vehicles aren't so good at storming buildings. Yeah, Shocking. Exactly. <laughs> and they're not, into they're into not like wheelchair accessible or something. They need more ramps. I don't know. You no. don't get that thing where in 40k you put a, an objective on the top of a building and you fly a plane at it and suddenly it claims it in one turn as it's moving supersonic. <laughs> that does not happen in this game. You must have boots on the ground to claim objectives yes. and they're always in buildings, which is a very different mechanic and very, very smart. Yes, it works well. Absolutely. And the thing about this game is if you go too much in one direction, you have too much infantry, you're going to hurt in other areas. Too much armor, you're going to hurt in no, not enough infantry. So, the game punishes you if you go 
Yeah, too unbalanced. It forces yeah. you to be balanced. 100%. And I feel we've kind of talked on this before that some of the best scenarios you can write are the ones that negate the need for comp. Where if you've got a good wide variety of scenarios and you want to go to a tournament and play, you need to take a balanced army to compete yep. in all the scenarios. And Drop Zone right out of the rule book does that. Yes. Yeah. Every scenario where you're just the way you you get points for being in buildings is a thing. It, yep. it just you can't get around it. I will say in Drop Zones, uh, in criticism of Drop Zone, one of the things that I don't like about the game is the army building rules. Initially, when you're looking at them coming from a different game system, is mm-hmm. like. What the shit is this? You have different Plans. groups that comprise units, and you must have a certain number of groups. Yep, absolutely. It is a little per confusing. size of game. But if you have a computer, yes, <laughs> you can get. No, I'm, I'm, this is honest. You can get the program for creating drop zone armies, yes. and it is point and click. Is it from? And it te- and it's, it's from yes, and it tells you if you do something wrong and you do the structure wrong. The little button, a little uh, red exclamation shows up, and it says, "This is what you've done wrong. You need to fix this." Yeah, they have it as an app. Yes. Oh no, not as an app. It's it is a computer, unfortunately. It's on a web browser, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. Java script. Oh, then you can. Open yeah, you can still it. Yeah. Oh, for yours, I've keep not for an Apple. How's that? Well, you still have a web browser on Apple, don't you? It might yes, be, but I it won't work for that. I think it's the Flash and the Java mess it up. Oh, right, right. Okay, I don't know. I don't, doesn't matter. But point is, it's a free program. It's yeah. a free program that you can use to help. Yeah, build and your it, army the list. good thing is, is when you actually finish making this up, and you hit print, it prints up your army, all your stats. It gives your first sheet gives you a list of everything that you bought and all the upgrades that you bought on, and the second one is the stats, and the third one is weapons. Yeah, so okay. very army builder esque, except official from the company. Yes, yeah. so it's free. I got a question cool. for you then. So I'm looking at getting into drop zone, right? right? So I've picked up my models. Yes, I've picked up a box of the scenery. Okay, what other things will I need for playing drop zone? Dice. Uh, that's it. Dice. There isn't a lot of. How much aids do you need? Oh, you, actually, yeah. the, do you need all um, the aids? The the starter set comes with all the templates that you need. If you buy in, the starter in, set, in but cardboard. if you didn't. You can get the acrylic ones as well, and you can also just—they're in the back of the rule book. If you buy, aren't there also cards to be used with this game? Yes, you have to buy the. Okay, that Uh, comes with your starter box. Some of them do. Yeah, not all of them anymore. You actually have really. You do have to actually buy the decks now, but uh, I thought they came with the starter box. Not anymore, but the decks aren't huge expense. I think they're like ten. Are they easy to get these days? Because I know for a while there, they were hard to actually get your hands on. You just have to get them ordered. They're not actually hard to get. You just have to order them. Yeah, that's just a local thing. So I need models. I need the cards. Obviously, like dice, measuring yeah, yeah. stick, that kind of stuff. Templates. Templates help, but they're not the end of the world if you don't have them because other people will usually have the templates. And it's from very rare set. that you need the templates outside of if your dropship explodes, which doesn't happen all the yeah. time, and for disembarking, which you know from the center of the base is two inches. Yeah, because you're doing peg measurements from that point, and mm-hmm. you, if you know how big the templates are, you know how to measure from the peg. There Especially you if you're starting and you just have the stuff out of the box, it's very rare you're going to need blast. So you can just peg instead of using the template. Yeah. Oh my god, Tom! This episode, what is wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> Alright. Uh, okay. Don't Google pegging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. And this is why we lose the classy. <laughs> Dude, this is why we never had the classy. Uh, S- size of space needed for the game. Okay, 4x4 four right? four is all you're really going to need for the beginning. The only time you'll go higher is when you're hitting above clash to battle, which is, for those who don't know, is 2,000 to 3,000 point range. Then you will need a 6 by a four by six table at that point. And so, your average game that you would play in, let's say, two hours, how many points is that? 
1500. 1500s. So that would be the four by four. Yes. Yeah. In fact, you don't want to go bigger because the you really want to force people into the buildings where the, the combat is always uh, around. Mm-hmm. A lot of the scenarios you can search in any building, uh, basically in the center of the table or around the center yeah. or middle, I should say. Um, if you play in a six by four with small stuff, you can just basically not engage your opponent. Uh, you don't want that's just not fun. You want to play in a four by four. Okay. So another question for someone getting into this game: uh, Does Hawk have the kind of press gang or henchman yes. analog? Like, is, yes. is there probably someone in your town that you could try and track down? There is. They're called the, Hawk Talents. Yes. There talons. Talons. T A L. Talons. Yeah. Because they hook you and get you into the game. So they're not the talent. They're the talents. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there is one in Edmonton. Yeah, it's uh, Trevor. Trevor's. Trevor's the one in Hawk Town. Yeah, and the. He posts quite often on the Drop Zone group. Yeah, yep. so he's got regular events going on on Mondays in the city, and then... Um, That's on at All-Star, I believe? All-Star, All-Star. Is, is typically the host, yeah. And then he's actually running a tournament later this month, which we've been talking about a little bit here and there, so we'll talk a little bit that we just found out more that in the event section. I didn't you just can't find go. out. You can't go. I can't go. Yeah. We don't love you anymore, Steve. I don't like so, weddings. But yeah, so he's he's there. If you want a game and, and such, like he's ready to, to show He's ready people. to show you, and he's... He, you know, he's, he's come out this. to Onslaught, I think, a couple of times. Yeah, he, to, ran dem- uh, he ran demos, demos at the last Onslaught in April there. So People, when they good. seem to play Drop Zone, really get into it. It's a great game system. Um, it's pretty straightforward once you play it a little bit. I like oh. the mechanic is re- is really nice and honestly like Hawk is one of the companies that I'm really kind of watching especially with like the new systems that or Where the new game system that he's coming out with which <laughs> won't say anything about we've talked about already buddy Google yeah. the UCM for Drop Fleet and <clears throat> just try to contain your erection <laughs> okay so just to kind of wrap this one up if you're an Edmonton gamer there is an Edmonton Drop Zone Commander Facebook group yes which is relatively active. Uh, so you can check that out if you need more information. But I think we can kind of wrap that up there and move on to the next topic, which is... Painting the color blue. Mm. Ooh. Mm. So this is going to wrap up primary colors for us, right? Because we've done red and yellow already. We've done red and yellow, yes. Correct. Is so. it, wait, prep. Wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> so next week we're going to be explaining to Steve what color theory is. No, I knew this. Uh, no, you're right. Never mind. Are you thinking RGB because you're a computer guy? I am thinking that immediately. <laughs> Additive versus subtractive color. I Look know. it up. I That's know. another thing you can Google. Yeah, that's something you should Google. There you I, go. Yeah, no, I did actually just go RGB because that's what I deal with daily. No, you're totally right. <laughs> wow, okay. Right. Um, it's actually RGBA is usually what I deal with. Oh, yeah, you have alpha channels. Oh, what alpha channels. Whoa. So why would you paint something blue? And how do you use alpha channels in paint? <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> I, I, I feel water. <laughs> the, the question of why would you paint something blue is uh, a little weird because... It's if it needs to be blue, like cloth. No, but actually, <laughs> I think you could also say blue is a way of making cooler tones for if you, yeah, a model if you, as well, if right? Not, if if you were looking for hot models or you want it to look hot. I've had hot models in blue before. <laughs> if you want to do something cold and frigid, you go blue. I, I That's would, true. I would say blue is typically a cooler. Uh, it's a cooler color. It's a li- little bit easier to paint over like a black base coat, which... Is highly recommended, at least by There's me. a reason why Ultramarines yeah, are kind of that go I'd say it's a little more beginner-friendly than red or yellow yes, in terms absolutely. of primaries. 100%. Right? Now, or, or you could be painting an army specifically that needs to be blue, like Thousand Suns, Ultramarines. So I, I, blue is, the pigments that are physically used in the paint, too, are just stronger. Blue has always been that way since, like, the Middle Ages. It's an easy color to do. 
So since the dawn of time. Well, it's true. It's just the way the pigments work. So, Tom. Oh no, you can. Anyways, I, I feel that if we were to kind of go through this more explicitly in like the beginner, intermediate advanced kind of spectrum. We would just be giving you colors that you could then do more highlighting with. So maybe we should talk about some of the things that you can do with blue um, to maybe make it a little bit more interesting. So, for example... typical kind of ultramarine, just blue. Yeah, so one of the things is what typical colors would you use to either shade or highlight the color blue? Uh, I like to use like the grays, bluish grays, rust gray, that sort of thing. That'll lighten it up um, rather than make it like a stark contrast rather than mixing in like a white to make it a sharp contrast right so things like a shadow gray yeah or like a sorry a shadow gray is an older one but yeah, yeah so yeah. like uh, fenris gray rust gray um and i think there might All be one gray of is cool too, too. Uh, i love troll blood highlight my favorite color a little bit so no i you know what i'll, I'll go opposite on this and say i actually think white is the way to go because i like crazy uh vibrant colors I like those bright greens, bright oranges, that kind of thing. We also did start playing Eldar like in the 90s. I love Back when the studio highlighted (laughs) everything with white. Yeah, and I actually have to say that I think still to this day that like muted blue doesn't draw your eye to it. I think it's just too dull. I think it looks good on cloth. That shouldn't be the focal point of a model. But if I was doing ultramarines, I'd probably go with a white. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point. That was something that I was kind of, you know, brainstorming a little bit um, a couple of days ago before the episode was... Um, when you when I'm painting armor, a lot of the times I use um, some of the brighter, more saturated blues for the shading and the highlighting. So, if you're using like a, what is it like Cantor blue, possibly for like one of the darker Citadel blues. I like that one. Those like imp- yeah. those um, crimson face colors. Blue. Yeah. Oh. So you can if you're highlighting, you would use something more. Oh shit! I'm trying to remember all the new colors. Old Enchanted Blue is the one that's coming to mind. Yeah. It's like Should we just Calador. always use like third ed 40k paint range or GW paint you know, range? It'd be easier. Even there's... when I'm talking to my wife about like painting like our rooms, yes, I'm just 100%. like, oh yeah. I'm, I'm still, just... I still, I, still <laughs> I refer to GW paint. When I see that like Kelly green, which I think is the proper term, I'm always like, that's not green. <laughs> Clearly it's not green. <laughs> my wife's always like, what? Uh, it's not a color. <laughs> True. I should mention there is also another way to highlight the blues and that's by going into the green spectrum so you get into the turquoises. Which is really cool viewing Alpha Legion. Yes. Yeah, that is definitely a, a great way of doing Alpha Legion because they kind of have that color shift from like purple <laughs> through blue through to green Give as it you do the gradient. Look. Absolutely. No, yeah. It kind of has like a shimmer to it. Yeah, Mike, but, you've done uh, that on a few models. I've seen that. Which yeah. which ones? Uh, what? Which models have you done the blue-green? I know you've done that. I swear I've seen you do have models Not mass models. It's been from other things. I can't remember. It's single-off models yeah. that do it. It's, I know you have one that I was like, that's really cool, and I, I can't could, remember which one it was. I could now. see that working for something like a Tau stealth suit or something like that, where it should have like that color-shifting, yeah. shimmering look to yep. it. Mm-hmm. You could probably get it, get away with something like that for Tyranids or any those insectoid-type races. Yeah, absolutely. Like you you you're not, I'm just saying you're not grounded you, to white. So your Scourge, yeah, yeah. You said, yeah. right? That, so your Scourge was like that, right? Blue to green? Well, the yes, yeah, no, it's a mix of blue, green, inks, and then you transition. That's what it was. I knew I wasn't crazy that you had something out of your whole army like that. <laughs> yeah, but it's only like a small transition band because it goes, yeah, yeah but it's, it, it works really well. <laughs> I just thought it works really well. and That's pathetic. We were just talking about drops up, and yeah. I totally <laughs> blanked on which models I was thinking of. Wow. Good stuff. <laughs> Good um, podcasting. Now, there is one thing that when we talk about blue, I, th- I think we're almost universally talking about that ultramarine's blue, which whatever that might new color be. Um, yeah, although I feel that there's kind of the ultramarine's blue or like Dan was talking about, that kind of regal to enchanted blue. The darkers, the darker blues. I would almost call it the more saturated blue. Sure. Yeah. That's, that, I'm, I'm, that totally makes sense. Yep. One of the things that I have seen people uh, struggle with painting blue is the ice blues, the much 
more baby blues and brighter blues, and that's just a function of them being lighter. Do you guys have any tips around those? I uh, I, I think Mike should talk about maybe his uh, pano with that a little bit because they're a little bit brighter. Oh yeah, but for that I basically went from uh, that was enchanted blue. <laughs> that's or Calgore. It's Calgore Sky. Calador. Calgore Sky now. And that went to the uh, Lorium blue, which is the light blue. And then after that, it was just adding white and bringing it yeah. up. So that's really white. Down. Okay. But I, I think yeah. the biggest thing when you are starting, we can even just talk about starting with a lighter color, is that you really have to be cognizant of the fact that uh, you're not going to get the exact same depth in there, and yep. you're probably going to be getting, especially with the blue, Almost up to pure white for your extreme highlights. Totally. I would say so, yeah. Just so you can actually get a little bit of that contrast. Now, the other thing that with that same sort of color band is people that try and paint ice. Uh, ice is always with that, like, uh, down in the crevasses, there's always that blue glow, which is actually, in real world, the sky reflecting down in yeah. there. Um, so trying to get that color to work is actually very difficult. I've always struggled with it. I haven't seen a lot of ice tables that are pulled off mm-hmm. well with that it's sort of technique. It's really, it is hard. Because yeah. you're almost getting into like non-metallic level light and color theory to be able to make realistic ice work. Yeah, I Because like, how do you paint something that is largely transparent but is kind of blending some of the ambient colors through it and would have a crazy gradient? I honestly think the only way to do it quickly <clears throat> that would look decent would be with an airbrush and then dry brush. Or clear resin. <laughs> clear <laughs> resin would be another way to do it. Clear resin and inks is probably the, the best way I've seen to do ice. But I feel like we're <clears throat> moving a, a little bit away um, from the blue. Yeah, we should talk about a beginner technique and an intermediate and advanced. I think that's well, always something that we've done that's <clears throat> worked well. Yeah, it's worked well, but it's almost beating a dead horse. Uh-huh. <laughs> Blue's not as difficult as some of the other colors. I to couldn't do, agree is, more. Is, is why I don't think there's... I think there's easy to intermediate I don't think there's really advanced is just more blending yeah and, and that's colors. exactly and you know what I will say blending blue is actually probably one of the easier colors to do for blending I've always found it to be well uh, blue yeah, covers nice. a lot better than a lot of other colors out yeah there. And that avoids a lot of the problems that you'll get with the layering technique is just having solid coverage from the paints to begin with you're not fighting against the medium the entire time. So I think generally speaking, what we can kind of outline here is that you start with your base tone, and then you're either highlighting up with a, a white or a gray, depending on how light you're starting. What are some of the colors? Usually something like a bold <clears throat> color as well. Yeah, totally. Work. But what are some of the colors we're using to shade that blue? I've always liked with blues the purples. I like going to that much darker tone, uh, with the, especially when you're looking at like um, Crimson Fist, that kind of thing. I always thought like the not yep. was it not Drakenhof Nightshade. That's the purple one. That's the blue one, isn't it? No, I'm pretty sure that's okay. Whichever the purple dark ink one is, or dark wash from GW, that's a great one to do with that color. I actually like that the most because I think uh, washing it with black just makes it, it look desaturates dirty. it very quickly. Yeah, I, I find one of the colors that I really like. Um, <clears throat> Shading blues with is actually a deep brown. I've really? done it before too, especially if it's. Yeah. I've never done that. To get back into the previous thought, where a lot of the times for me the armor colors are the ones where it's the more rich, saturated. Again, we were talking about using like a medium blue, a dark blue for the shading, and a lighter blue for the highlights, or a white. Whereas if you're doing cloth, yeah, and that's exactly. If right you're using like really? more of a, if you're using more of like an ultramarine's blue for like a base coat for cloth, I've done that before where you've shaded down with like a mixture of scorched brown and black. Building that into the crevices and then highlighting by mixing something like bleached bone into the ultramarine's blue, you get like a really earthy tone. Well, it's still blue, but it has a very earthy tone. Especially to it as if well. you put it's a, very interesting. Especially if you put a little dab of that base color into that shade, 
just you're not going too off spectrum. Oh, absolutely! Like it was definitely a mix of the the blue base coat with the brown and the black, never just being like straight up, you know, stripes of brown in between the layers of cloth or whatever. Yeah, because I can see that going but, terribly wrong. And you kind yeah. of blend it back into the shade and the crevices. Interesting. Yeah, it, it does make a really interesting, very like almost like Lord of the Rings color palette, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like actually, the, I know exactly. What you're talking very about. organic blue. Yeah. The Drakenhof nightshade is the blue. You're thinking of the Druchi violet. That's the one. I like that one. I like how that took me a while to get. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I High got five for Brown, man. I got Ooh. there. Have you guys exper- tried a lot of the new GW washes or inks, though? Yes. Yeah. Are you still happy with them? Don't you feel yes. like they're a lot darker? And they're I, I think, I think they're definitely added. stronger than the yeah. previous generation okay. of washes. And they, I th- I'm theorizing where there are some people out there that have had similar reactions in their washes that I have, where okay. occasionally they frost on you in yes, the crevices. with the white, yep. yeah. And I still, th- I'm quite confident that that's an interaction with super glue accelerator. I don't like I haven't been entirely scientific about it, but like on a lot of models where I've done the washing, it has showed up on the areas where I'd recently like glued a piece back on rather than the areas that I have no doubt yeah. that's I did that this afternoon, so I'll let you know. Yeah, so I, I do find that <laughs> if you're doing the super glue accelerator after priming or if you break something while painting it, maybe give it a quick dusting of varnish after the accelerator is dried. And that might insulate you from that frosting effect you get on the washes a little bit. It's worth. It's something I need to experiment with, but that's my I have no theory. Can that's I just do it? Can I, it's something. A, it's the thing. I've never experienced that frosting, you guys. Do. Really? I get it almost every single time. I, I, the use it. I get an okay amount. I don't use them as much, but everything I've used so far, I have never. I've never. Exp- I've used the black. Mine is always lot. black. That frost. I've always used. <laughs> I use no oil all the time. Because my. I'm just saying. But I've you, never experienced. Are you? It. Cut- Does it mean maybe I'm doing it different or something? I don't know. Are I've you cutting the shade? It, are you cutting the shade? Different anything? ways. I've tried to do it straight out of the pot. I've tried to do it with uh, um, reducer. I've tried to do it with uh, water. I've tried to do it with like glaze, glaze medium. medium. I always. That's four, not it. a million. It's basically the same. <laughs> right. I'm the same way. I've actually stopped. Not zero. I've stopped using Citadel washes because I can just. I've never had the frosting issue with any other ink or glaze that I use. See, I love all of their washes except Nolan Oil has bitten me too many times. Actually, Agrax Earthshade's the one that fucks me every time. Really? That one. I still use that heavily, but I use it. But I gotta admit, your the privateer inks, the blue and the green, I love them. Those are the ones I use for all my scourge because it gives. It's all so vibrant and it's. Their inks are great, and I've been getting. Into a lot of the Vallejo. Okay, we also do need to mention what an ink versus a wash is. We have done this before, have we? Okay, we, we totally. What, have. what would you use then from uh, P3 to shade your blues? Honestly, my go-to brown mix these days is a mix of smoky ink from Vallejo Game Color. Okay, um, a little bit of um, armor wash. From armor P3. wash almost has a hint of blue gray into it. It's not just a black wash, and then it's a, weird. It doesn't really? dry the way it looks when it's wet. It's a it's a weird one to work with. I think it has a slight cool blue turquoise tone to it, but it's very subtle. And then a splash of browning from uh, from P3 as well, or a browning from depending the 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 browning from P3 is a little bit more red, and the browning from Vallejo is uh, a little bit more neutral. So depending on exactly what I'm doing, will be that mix. Um, and one of the things that I've found is when I'm always mixing my washes like that, I'm able to get a lot more control over the exact tone that I'm going for. Um, obviously, it's more work. But I've also never had that shit frost on me, so fuck Agrax Earthshade. <laughs> yeah, see, I think the GW stuff has always been really good, except for Agrax and all. I don't know what it is, Indeed. but those are the ones that get me. The most recent bit of frosting that I've had, it was on a Battletech model, but I am being serious. Oh. It was on the, the catapult model of mine where one of the arms broke off while I was painting it. 
So I glued it back together with super glue and accelerator, and then I did the um, the red and the the current washes the red and the purple mixed together over all the armor, and it frosted around, especially around that arm that I glued back. That actually on. makes sense because I bet you it was the vapors. It leaves a little bit of a uh, rough texture from the vapors that. Uh, dry onto it, and I or some kind of residue, that. or like something. I've had it but where the model hasn't broken, and I've primed it, and I've still had the same problem. I guess it's just all kind of either yeah. way. Okay, the moral of the story so is that um, brown blues. You want to start with that that tone and just work your way up through those colors and maybe shade it with that. If you're feeling yeah, that brown, I would certainly say for beginner blues, you can start with your dark color and just work your way up. The colors get really solid coverage which enables you to do that, whereas if you're working with a much lighter, more difficult color, that's where we usually recommend start with a medium color, shade down, and then highlight back up. The one thing that I would mention, though, is you do want to at least thin your paints with the blues because otherwise you will get some tire striping where you're doing the thicker highlights. They're very good coverage. Yep. That's why it lends itself a little bit better to the blending is because you do have that better coverage. You can you can uh, usually dilute it a lot more. So you're um, layerings are beginner? Well, well, not layering. We're, we're just, just dry brush it. No, our beginner is paint your, paint your paint your base tone, layer on a mid, and then edge highlight up top. I think that's a pretty basic technique. Yeah, I think that. But you do okay. have to cut blues the paint. do work with that technique better than something like red. You yes. can't. Whereas if you were doing something like red, painting it all corn red and then all like what is it, Wild Rider red? Like you'd be terrible. doing so many layers. Yeah. Whereas blue, I think the colors are actually strong enough. You can do that, and it won't actually drive you crazy. It is a bit more beginner-friendly. That's okay. totally our beginner cool. technique, 100%. Uh, as an advanced one, <laughs> I Pro- think... Probably layer it all. Yeah. Layering it, cut it with a lot of glaze medium, and just work through a ton, a ton of layers. And if you really want to get crazy, I think even wet blending is probably a way to go with blues. You could. I don't right? think I'd ever advocate wet blending to anyone. <laughs> On a power sore? 100% I would. It works really well for some people that aren't me. I yeah. just don't. I don't. It, it, is, I don't like it, it is difficult. You got it, but usually, if you're wet blending, you're also using slow drying your your stuff as well. I feel like if anyone's wet blending, they don't need to listen to this podcast. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're That's doing a really true. shitty job of it. No, but I think I, I think you're right though. With blue, it's very tough to go from I paint blue really well to holy crap, this is a super advanced technique. Yeah, like blue is a is a. It's a pretty easy color to paint off the off the hop. And I think one of the things, that, as much as I kind of made fun of you for the question of like, where do you paint blue? It kind of comes in. I didn't play. ask that question. I did. Or it was Ward? Whatever. Well, I just put it. I put it on the information. Whatever. So. <laughs> you're, you're basically the same person, right? Oh, hey, that's, um, yeah, I like Ward's a good guy. I'm good that. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. But it's kind of true. Is that unless you're actively going out of your way to paint blue, there's very few things on a model that are going to organically just end up being blue. True. Like eyepieces and lenses, and is pretty much lenses, the only time yeah. I paint blue. Yeah. yeah, like you either have to go for blue armor or blue cloth. I've never really encountered like, oh shit, I guess I have to paint this blue. Whereas there's a lot of like yellow, red, brown, green. Yeah, black, there's they're more vibrant. Does pop right? So I mean, it, it just depends on the, like the system that you're playing. If you want to go with like an existing color scheme for an army and faction. Yeah. So like uh, Ariadna for like uh, Infinity Ultramarines, like we were talking about already, right? Yeah. That's when you would see most of the army being blue, but like C was saying, usually you see it as just like little accessory pieces. So like, hey, eye eye lenses and uh, sensors and all that hair. 
See it on his hair. Yeah. You, you you could use it if you want somebody to have that really dark dark black to a slight blue sheen. You could use. Yeah, the way comic books often do hair is yeah. like black hair in a comic book is often highlighted through blue rather than gray, just so it's got yeah. a bit more color to it. Mm-hmm. Yep, looks yeah. a little greasier. Yeah, Veronica Lodge. Right there. I would. I would. Well, you really dark. dark I was always more. Of a Betty guy. <laughs> I went there. <laughs> oh, There's Betty a, just seems more fun. Right. There's a couple of nomad uh, fusiliers <laughs> that have, I think, on the box art. I have their uh, have their uh, hair done in blue, and it actually looks like kind of punk style, which is what. Well, and to be fair, <laughs> some of the first hair I ever painted for for miniatures was blue war dancer hair. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they <laughs> were not paints on orcs. <laughs> they were not subtle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck. Yeah, your death skulls. Um. Yeah. Tau, you're shit. painting Tau, and you have to paint blue for all their faces. Yeah. But even then, that's often more like a shadow. Gray. Gray. It's, gray. it's a gray mixed in, right? So. Yeah. yeah. But I guess one of the that is a great point. Blue, I've found works amazing as an accent color in dozens of paint schemes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's not quite as harsh as a red or a yellow can be. It's not as warm as they are. So it kind of subtle. naturally fits subtle. into a lot more colors. And if you're worried about clashing, you can go with those duller grayish blues that we were talking about. And it still is blue, but it's not overpowering. I yeah. will say, for my Eldar, which is a primary red, apparently. So that's a color in the primary group that I didn't know. Uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did know that. It's okay. Doing the gemstones blue. Gemstones yep. are, uh, lend themselves really well to be painted blue because if you're going for that clear sort of glass effect, usually it does give you a blue reflection. And layering blue through gems is actually relatively Can- Canopies for different vehicles, you'll see like yep. a lot of the blues, right? That sort of thing. So, It actually airbrushes really well. It's one of the nicer colors yeah. to airbrush, again, because of coverage. Mm-hmm. And again, with that coverage, you can go very easily through a black up to a blue if you're doing a canopy or a gem yes. or yep. any of these kinds of things. Yeah, you don't have to underpaint or use white primer or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the thing. If you're doing a red or you need to, and you want to go from a really dark red, you got to give a zenithal white before you airbrush it because otherwise it's just not going to work. Like, it's blue, you don't have to worry about that. Less prep. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for a beginner color scheme, that consider consider blue. Consi- I would honestly, there's a reason why ultramarines are pushed as space marines. It's sort of the beginner chapter, in my opinion. And blue and gold is a great combo. Yep. Works a lot better than the old blue and bright yellow. Easier to paint. I still looks like that. better. Yeah. I still blue and gold is blue a classic combo. Well, I mean, that's why, that's why you see all the new Age of Sigmar too, right? Like all the... Yes. Yeah, solid gold with a little bit of blue A little panels. bit of blue as is, is armor, armor plates and such, so yep. yeah. Cool. Alright, cool. Uh, I think that we've kind of covered everything blue. we need to for blue there. Yeah. Hopefully uh, you're still awake out there. Listen to us yeah, absolutely. Blue. So, moving into the third period, Ward. <laughs> uh, the third period is... Oh, I mean, my thing is loading. Uh, the new GW train for Fantasy slash Age of Sigmar. Yeah, so, we can drop Fantasy. It's dead. So, <laughs> well, well, I kind of like the train. So well, actually, no. that terrain looks really cool. I'd love to use it for any other game system on the planet. Mm, there you, well, I mean, you <laughs> can, you right? Know, you so. can actually use it for Malifaux, too, right? Because it is... So I will web portal kind of steampunky. Yeah. So before we go into some of the negatives that I've heard, because I don't think anybody here has actually picked it up, but we well, I we w- have looked at the pictures and oh my god, it's cool. Yeah, it so looks there, great. There's yeah. there's four pieces of terrain that uh, has come out so far uh, with photos. Um, so the first one that we've got on the docket is what, the Baleful Realm Gates. The Realm Gates. So is that the big just arch? You get of? you get the yeah. two, you get the two um, gates essentially. I that believe are they're the on same f- as well, but you get two of them. They are they are the same. They're on fire. And you can paint them differently. 
On fire. They also, more importantly, come with the rules for the terrain in the box. Yes, all of these these terrain kits do have special rules, and I guess a lot of the scenarios in Age of Sigmar are based around, especially from the campaign books, are based around these specific pieces of terrain for the narrative. And you can take them in your army just like you can take a Bastion, but they're even more important. They do cooler stuff. Okay. The picture that I have for them is not the best, but there is quite a bit of detail actually above the gates as well as the fire, I think, was really well done. Yeah, they kind of have these little murals etched into the rock and everything. As well as big big epic battles. Probably once we Once we talk about everything, I'm going to reiterate some comments that Spiky Bits made about the terrain after unboxing. Oh, alright. Okay, so so the question I have for you guys. So a set of them is 70 bucks. Whoa! For the two of them. Which is more than I was originally anticipating, because when I saw them at the GW store, I'm like, hey, those are awesome. Like, do you guys have a price? Oh, we don't have a price point yet. We figure it's going to be about the same, like a $40 box set. I'm like, yeah, I can handle that for two games. Because they do seem very comparable in size and style to the... um, Let's say Woods. No, what are they called? The um, Storm of Magic. The, oh, yeah, the Storm of Magic, the Towers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I assume they were going to be very similar to that. They're, they are a little bit more pricey. Yes, I would I would say uh, that's that was my hesitancy with them. Yeah, I will not be picking some up for $70. The second one, um, I've got the picture here. That one might be my favorite in the... I, uh, I it is the Numulus Oculum. Yeah. It's, it's got the big globe in the corner of the building ruins. It looks pretty badass. I'm actually really like. Does anyone remember set. that movie where they have the spacecraft they drop through? That the could thing, really work. Like spinning. Oh, oh, oh! oh contact. 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 Yeah. contact. Yeah. It reminds me of that. Yeah. Well, I can't think of her name. That one, that one is seventy dollars as well. Fuck. I'm. I'm. Judy but Lee it would make a really good battle for. I'm more that would be enticed to buy artist. this. And like centerpiece. Like yeah. said, this, I've got a bad picture of it. There's other pictures that are. It's way bigger on the far side as well. It's actually, actually like got a, a solid decent size. Piece so, you, for a table. so you know the the characters that come from Age of Sigmar, like the big Terminator size models swinging a hammer over their head and all yeah. the rest of it. They fit comfortably inside that globe on the side of it. No problem. So it's kind of yeah. like Terminator going back in time. We can say this is where. Except they're not naked. He might even be not moving yet. between realm gates <laughs> in the baleful fashion. Alright, let's get some uh, <laughs> fantasy, sorry, Age of Sigmar yeah, slash did. Terminator crossover here. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the third piece of terrain that we've got is the Dragon Fate. The floaty things? Uh, the floaty Dragon Fate Dias. Yes, it is a bunch of little dragon. You know, I have to. I have to admit, flames. I like their aesthetic with the with the way the stairs and everything's kind of in that very bizarre floating, floating creepy magic floating rock. Yeah, yeah. let me guess, oh, seventy bucks. Yeah. The stairs no, this to nowhere. Uh, this one is cheaper. I believe this one is sixty dollars. Sixty dollars. <laughs> yeah. Whoa! But that one is yes. one big piece instead of two medium sized pieces. Take that mm, for whatever they are. It's worth. They are rather large uh, train pieces. Train yeah, pieces. like so. it's not. Yeah, but it's still... In the GW I can, realm, I feel like that's actually not that bad compared to some of their the other The one trains. thing that they used to always have reasonably priced for the last four or five years was their scenery. Which uh, was like $40 a box Some set. of their scenery. But yeah. Some of them were amazing, and some of it was... It was a little hit or miss. But like we were talking yes. about earlier, right? They're not doing price increases anymore. Just when anything new comes out, they're making that adjustment. Yeah, that was that before point. the podcast. While we were talking about $7 pots of metallic <laughs> paint. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell so, us how you really just, feel. So just fuck two words. Don't make some. The last piece of terrain that is currently reduced or released is the Ophidian 
gateway. Yeah, Ophidian it's archway. The archway. It's the, it's the dragons and snakes over the arch. Yeah, I've. It looks cool. I've seen some. It's my least favorite. Paint jobs that haven't been. If I if so there was good. a Conan the Barbarian miniature game, I would love the shit out of that piece. Mm. If you have two Both of them and, and they kind of loop yeah. around and eat, mm. eat themselves or bro style, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. All right, that's weird. Yeah. Uh. This is the cheapest piece of terrain at fifty dollars for the set. Why does it have to? Uh. So, so the one we don't like is fifty. Is the cheapest one. So <laughs> yes. wow. Okay, now I will say that. Hang uh, on, hang on. Before you go, there are also two bundle sets that you can buy. That's uh, true. Do so they reduce the price? That is the painful thing. They no. save you clicks. Uh, <laughs> that's that's all it does. So one there, click bundle. There's a hundred and seventy dollars set that has one of the art two sorry two of the archways and one of the baleful realm gates. So it's exactly it's exactly, yeah, exactly one hundred seventy dollars, yeah. and then there is yeah. also a hundred or sorry a three hundred dollar set, and that has more of the Dragonfire dice and. So the, I could get into any game on the market right now, or buy five pieces of scenery. Essentially, right? So it just depends on where you're at. But you now, compared as well, how, like Mike, how many of those insanely detailed drop zone buildings would you need to cover a table, and what do they cost each? Okay, yeah, for those really high end ones. Those yeah. aren't cheap. I'd you see be, what I mean, though. Yeah, no, I understand, but <laughs> when you buy Plastic drop cards. zone starter kit, they give you the cardboard ones for free. Well, yeah, but we can't really cover cardboard. Yeah, for, yeah, no, no, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you're not forced to buy. I, and I, no one's forcing you to but, buy these. No, no, either. but these are aren't these scenarios and they have special cards in there. Yeah, you, you, you don't, don't have to play, to play them. Okay. You don't have to have them. You can include them in your army. You can play without any rules of any kind. Okay, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's your prerogative. I, it's Age of Sigmar. No, no, those buildings are expensive. Yes. I would have liked to see the bundles be like, oh, hey, you know what? You save ten dollars. Because they use twenty bucks. Because they used to do five bucks. Do you see those battle force? Those battle force sized terrain bundles? They used to save you twenty or thirty percent. Over buying all the component pieces separately. And they I, sold I think, like I think the, yes. Imperial was it? the Imperial Sector was yeah, an awesome you deal. Sa- you saved some money there because it was 110 or 115 bucks for the box. I think you saved it came like with like a good 30, 40%. Yeah, because you got sector. like, I think, four boxes worth of terrain in that, right? You, so you got, all, got the, all the Imperial. Free. Every box they made for the city fight stuff was in that box. Yeah. So yeah which, it was pretty awesome. Um, okay, so if we're going to rate these things on pot, like out of pot, five bucks, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the, the realm gates. One, the realm I give gates. it a four. I like them. I don't like the price. That's why it's a four. <sighs> four. The price four. for me brings it down to a two. I'm gonna go with a three. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm in that three and a half ish range where solid I, I numbers. Really, okay, I guess three because I, I quite <laughs> like them. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I did quite like them. I was a little surprised about the price because they are more expensive than the comparable Storm of Magic terrain that I bought and like. Seriously, you could buy ten pots of paint for them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, ten pots of paint. Okay, yeah. no, wait, 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 wait. Before we before we finish on the rating, the one thing I do want to reiterate from another this is not anything I've seen, but the video reviews of them have shown that they are not the same plastic that GW produces. They're a different no, they, sprue. They, it's the same as the fantasy terrain, like the um, oh, the crazy giant mansion thing that I have, Skullvane like, Mance. Yeah, and Witch Fate Tour, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, apparently it's not. It's even different from that. Apparently it's different from that, and a lot of the details missing. They've opened Ooh. up a couple of boxes, like the Ophidian Archway had yeah. sections of the dragon just missing. Oh my god. Um, it apparently is uh, <laughs> but ha- not manufactured <laughs> well, in the UK it. anymore. No, those, those previous ones, I believe, were China as well. So, But is GW being good? Like, can you go back and say, hey, you know, know. I'm missing my dragon. Uh, <laughs> There's no dragon here. She's up. I need my dragon. <laughs> Two dragons. <laughs> 
fix I, this. Anybody, fix this issue that, right Starsky now. Starsky and Hutch. I want to be yeah. two dragons. I want to be the mother of dragons. Where are my dragons? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I prefer the Starsky and Hutch uh, uh, reference to I think more to people, Game of Thrones. I think more people are going to be on board on my side. Yeah, we might we'll get see. more listeners if we talk about Game of Thrones more. All right, so we've got some threes, we got some fours. And yeah, a single so let's just say overall it's a solid cool three. kit, oh, a little too expensive. If it came and it potentially also, miscast. If will, it was not miscast, it came out of the box and I bought it, I would give it a four. They look cool enough. If you've got the extra money, I'd say buy it, but I might buy one anyway. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Dan, totally mediocre and do not care about Apparently, Dan has no money, but I'm he buying it. Buy them anyway, so. uh, the Oculus uh, globe in the corner of four. the building. Four. I like it. I gotta give this one a four, and this is the reason why I give it a four instead of the other one where I only give it two is that this looks like a usable piece of scenery for multiple games, whereas the archways are just. They're, yeah. pretty They're just fucking archways. And at least it's partially line of sight blocking for games that need that. I can yeah. use it in 40k. You could use this you for could, Malifo, yeah. you could use this for War Machine, you could use this for Age of Sigmar. Like this is a very versatile train piece that also looks really good. This this is my Super favorite. Cool. This is my favorite piece of train, and I'm still gonna give it a four. Um It's expensive. The biggest simple is that the biggest thing the for me is just like, am I gonna run out and buy it? I'm not sure, right? So Yeah, I mean, that's me too. Oh yeah. Even with train, well, I, I'll probably buy it for tournaments and such. But uh, then, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you know, what if what if you were playing an army where you could actually use this as a, a viable part of your army? Let's say we were all epic Age of Sigmar players who are super into it, and you were like, "Oh man, I really need something in my army that will this building will fulfill." Would that matter to you? I think would that you would. Buy a I, if it was a faction that I played, I think you would see a, a natural bump on the scale that I would say, "Yes, I want to go up one." Yeah. I can right? see that. If it was something that I that I could use in my army and put on a display tray while I was taking it to a tournament, I would I would actually like that a lot You'd more. You'd be more inclined. Yeah, right? if you're so. if you're general or I guess not your general, because your general can't be a wizard, I think, in Age of Sigmar. But if you had a wizard that was like a centerpiece of your army, you could put him in the middle of that globy oculum thingy. And it would look really cool. That would be yeah. a natural place Ooh. to show him off. Or a Necron. Yeah, totally. A Necron. Yeah, Thanks, Ward. All right, so I think overall, what four sounds? Four, four sounds. Four sounds. I'd give it a three. It's not my favorite of the bunch. Really? Oh. What is your favorite? We'll find We're out when we get that. there. The Dragonfire Dais oh. might be Dan's favorite. I'm pretty sure his. Or the opposite of a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say right now, this is the one I'm giving it to. This one. Two. I'm going to give it a two as well. I actually will give it a three. I, I still like it, but just because it has that GW aesthetic that I actually kind of think is cool for the new Age of Sigmar with all the little yeah, but things. I'm going to go with a three as well. It's kind of boring. I think the top actually has enough space that you can actually put a few like models up there. But if they're pewter, it'll fall over. GW hasn't made pewter. No, I think it's, it's centered on I'm not playing Games Workshop games <laughs> on these models. No, and the thing the about series? this that I was going to say is it offers nothing to any other game that I play. It has an yeah. Age of Sigmar no utility uh, to it. battle scroll, doesn't block line of sight, and it doesn't fit with any other game, because the, the, the aesthetic on this one is just Kings of War. Totally. But even that is still like more Wrath of the high Wrath fantasy of stuff. Wrath of Kings? Whatever. It would be well, terrible for both. my battle tech models. I know that much. Yeah. yeah. It would be some sweet staircases they could walk up. <laughs> let, let, me, let me climb up some massive staircases floating in the air, because that makes sense. In the warp, everything tech. makes sense. More, okay, more so dragons. we're we're all on the three, three to a two. I, yeah, this one is not the uh, popular one of the bunch. No. And one, one the archway, one. I think it's horrible. On the bright side, the it is the cheapest of the bunch. Yeah, it so, is fifty dollars. So does, that doesn't bump it up at all. No, no I'm giving it a one. I also think that's a, that one would be a pain in the ass to paint because it's got all that like just 
It's got an insane amount of You could paint it like a solid gray and a solid gold. And it would just look like balls. It would just look boring. I think if you actually did like a motif and actually painted some color on this. Again, honestly, you could paint it pretty decent pretty quick if you just made it bronze instead of gold. But then you've got brick. Why are the bricks bronze? Bricks. Because I'm talking about the fucking serpents. But it's, I don't know, I'd give it a salt, like a hard two. Hard two. <laughs> like a fucking hockey I'll, puck. I'll give this a soft three. So Really? We're kind of in between. <laughs> hard to soft place. Uh, I, really, I really just I, like that one. I still think there's, there's a lot of detail like into it. The one thing it's I do so like flat. about it, okay, it's, it's so flat. Nice. But you know, it's no, got no. more versatility than the other arches because there's actually something else to the scenery piece. The other and arches, it is, it is built also modular, so you can build it in different shapes and configurations, and it will work. Actually, you know what? I give this one a three because the arches are fucking useless for every other game out there, whereas I could see there being value to this. A soft three or a hard three? I'm gonna give it like a a soft, like medium, a, a soft, a medium, like, like a medium, like a slow, a, this a three dance. is medium poached. Right. You're giving it a slow dance, chubby three. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> slow dance, chubby. We three. we totally need to make a chart of all of our ratings right now. And our so. classy ratings um, dropped to zero. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, just, we have zero pucks on. Yeah. But I, I see more versatility in that piece than I do with the arches. I'll give you that. I'll yeah. give you that. I just yeah. don't like the way it looks at all. Oh, it's yeah. fucking ugly. I'm with but Mike. You can use it. it is so the, to me. Why, if I hate the way it looks, why would he? But the the reason that you have you're sitting there at GW, you're looking at their terrain because you're thinking of buying one. That's a thing that's <laughs> happening, I guess. And you're looking at you have the Baleful Realm gates over here, and then you have that thing. They're yeah. both gates. These ones are really cool and have the flames, and there's two of them. But they're impractical in every other possible consideration. But they still don't they block, don't block that block. line of sight that much. <gasps> that they block more than that. Not in a lot or of games. Or less than that, I should say, sorry. Even if you're playing War Machine. Wait, I can't use this to drop something, right? No. One. You One across the board. Oh, nice. There you go. So. Even in War Machine, I, I, I think a Jack or a, a Vector or Colossal would look over that. <laughs> One of the ones. The do, you, ones. do you know what you're talking about right now? I do. I think a Colossal would look right over it. I still don't think it's that big. I think that Age of Sigmar is in that smaller range. They are moving. I would be it back curious down. to see exactly how big those gates are because they're hollow, right? Like, yeah. So I mean, it would be interesting to see just exactly how large they are in person. It'd be really hilarious. Don't have an answer to that, unfortunately. I think yeah. I think it's about the size of my hand, actually. The ga- the that is archways. tiny. The inside, no, of the little entire girl. Thing. No, just the entire thing. Like I think <coughs> the gateway is that. That's big. still tiny. You are not Lana from Archer. You don't have huge man hands. <laughs> <laughs> no. We, Thank you. We call them sharks for, for a reason. <laughs> Thank you for that reference. Um, personally, I like the. Uh, I. Overall, I would be interested in the train because I run tournaments. I'll probably end up picking up one of each. I'm staying away from the bundles because it's not worth it. <laughs> oh, yeah, why? And like, you can only get the I'm bundles not, directly not, from GW. And I'm not buying that much Think train. of the clicks you'll save. And then you're so sitting there probably on one the click, internet one click, frantic. Maybe. Frantic about the fact you might have to click four times. Mm, Holy shit. I've actually woken up in a cold sweat before. GW is watching out for your future health because carpal tunnel kills. Yes, RSI is lethal. After the next tournament that I run, I'll probably pick up one of each for the future tournaments, but that's... (coughs) I've got a question for you guys. All of us? Yeah. Or me specifically, because you're looking at me. You are looking very intimately at Ward. Well, that's just me and Ward. Sure. But, uh, so here's just it, this came up in conversation the other day when we were uh, having a meal out, and Games Workshop is one of the only games manufacturers out there. It might be the only one in the miniature market who has a monopoly on every aspect of their production. 
They control everything. They control everything. Yeah, they have factories. Why the fuck do they not undercut other companies? I think the big thing is they they feel like they don't have to. They can they can charge still and people will pay it. Yeah, they are they are in that premium market. Right? Games, games It's the same reason that Apple doesn't charge less than Android for a phone. Like it's that's the niche they've carved out for yeah. themselves. They want to make a high margin compared to other people. Yeah, the, and the materials not give to that produce up. an iPhone cost seventeen dollars, the material to produce an S six costs thirteen dollars. Or I mean a golf course, right? Like you're playing golf, do you need to go to the premium golf course or can you go to the fucking pitch and putt? Well, if you go to Victoria, you might not play on grass, so that's a problem. But, uh, but, uh, but I mean, ju- just kind of the comparison, right? So uh, they, I don't feel like they need to like lower their prices, or they don't feel that they need to lower their prices because I would appreciate it. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know no, it would be interesting right? to see so. if some if a new CEO ever came into GW and said, you know what, terrain models we're not going to undercut on because that's our IP, but terrain is really tough to produce IP around. Uh, but, but I mean, we're... I with could see them undercutting on terrain if you had a new direction and, and uh, leadership, but they, they just, don't need they to. They just got a new CEO, though. Certain but things, from the company. Certain <laughs> things, though, about the, the business model, I, I do appreciate it, right? Like, I mean... Like, like $7 the, gold paints? Oh, all the like, time. Like, this is... The, is this However, literally gold? But you know what? Maybe. I mean, the big thing is like not having like sales because I, I mean, working in retail for so long, uh, I worked for a company like later on that did do like sales, and then just like why would I? Why would I go into that store and buy regular price when I know like X number of months down the road they're going to have a sale again? Like it's going to happen. Yeah. Right. And GW doesn't do that, which is. I think smart, but I mean the bundles they could offer a little bit of incentive and just have those be regular price, direct order. Especially you don't have to carry the them in the wave. store. First wave would be yeah, handy, if you, right? If you used to have those like splash release, oh, it's a box. box. It's a box of three Warwalkers instead of one, and they're slightly cheaper and they're limited run. Those they used to sell army. really well because you, would, in the beginning, you would need a shitload of them. Or even the it box. It was an easier sell to get you started on a new product. I always like their army box where they give you the exclusive miniature and a discount. That's what I was yep. just going to say, right? Codex came it's just like, oh, hey, you know what? There's this cool ass uh, standard bear, right? Like, those ones like typically flew off the shelf unless they were Bretonian typically. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that no, was that. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying with uh, with their terrain, but I, I honestly think they're in the premium market. And you know what? I think you're right. That the drop the drop zone uh, commander buildings were a very apt comparison. They're similar price. Yep. Absolutely. It's, Although, a, it's about 20 to 30 <clears throat> pounds, so typically 40 to 60. But can I just iterate with that? Go you ahead. You don't have to paint or do anything, and it looks fantastic. That okay? is true. So you are paying for two things, whereas GW, you're just getting the raw plastic. And I feel like you can make that the same connection with the um, any of the foreground yeah. stuff. Yeah, uh, so we're talking about the foreground buildings for oh, those drop are the, zone. Oh, the drop zone foreground. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, yes, they, they, they oh, no, I, th- I, thought you were talk- I thought you were talking about the actual resin drop zone. No, no, I'm talking about the. No, but we do stuff. talk about the resin drop zone. Uh, that stuff, even there, they aren't painted. No. They, they are super the high detail, though. They are super Because they're, what, 30 pounds for a building? Yeah. So that's in that same price range. Well, there's one that's 102 pounds. But it, it's way bigger than any of that stuff. And it's pretty massive. Damn sexy. And pretty damn uh, sexy. A regular, just sort of normal table building is 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. 
that's the same price, and I can understand where they're coming from with that. But the thing that blows me away is Drop Zone's mar- uh, production uh, numbers are going to be way lower than GW's production numbers. But do you, There's do you got to th- be a bulk discount there. But do you think other companies are basing a lot of their prices on GW's framework then? Because, oh, if GW has the prices of buildings. Oh, this, totally. I'm so sure that I comes into the calculus. So I can bump up my prices this high if... if I think... That's got to come better up. It's somewhere. got to come up. Maybe not for the for the terrain, but for the models, it has to. Yeah, um, they're they're the elephants always. It, GW yeah. is the biggest one. Yeah, they're the benchmark, right? They were the biggest company for the longest time. They're really the only Still publicly are, traded really? miniatures company out there. I don't think yeah. there's anybody else that does miniatures in that vein that's, that's publicly traded. They're by far the and biggest. And you all got to remember that is also an issue. It's publicly traded. traded. So have they to have to respond to the owners or the whatever. Shareholders. Sure. Sure. So no, and they have, to show pro- they have to show profit every time. And if they reduce, try to undercut somebody, that's going to kill your profits for a year. Are the shareholders going to agree to that shit? Probably not. Although I don't know why the shareholders agree to the $1.1 million incorporation of Forge World into the GW website. That's that, because they just love spending money on their website. Oh my god, that four, is million, 4 million pounds last year on their new website, and now $1.1 million to bring Forge World into their new one with a new little tab. Jesus Christ, I want the I'm GW... I'm in the wrong line of work. I want the GW web contract more than anything, because I would crush that for that money. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, so that's terrain and talking about GW. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, so the, Honestly, if it was still on sale, I would just say buy Storm of Magic scenery instead, because it's, it's very similar. Yeah. You could count Saz a lot of that stuff, and it's cheaper. I like it. Way cheaper. You know what I'm going to say? You can almost make some of that your stuff. An archway. Don't want the dragon? Make an archway. It's pretty easy. Yeah, well, especially yeah. especially if Steve convinces us to make his own fucking You know what they here, have out so. there that's crazy? They have brick plastic card. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> In all honesty... Glue that to a bit of foam, cut out the foam. Bam! Archway. You could probably do four for about 20 bucks. Easy. <laughs> and it'd make, be lighter, and you could do them way bigger. You wouldn't have giant dragons and things. Making you your own terrain, you're making your own terrain has always been cheaper, but, I mean, it's the convenience that you're paying for. And you also have to be good at it in some ways. Yeah, like, There's true. a yeah. skill level factor as well. Fuck that. <laughs> you know what? I honestly think if you're buying this for terrain for Age of Sigmar because you want the scrolls, do it. It's part of your model. It's like Or part of your army, it's like buying a model. Yeah, it's like buying a Aegis defense line. Yeah, I think that in Age of Sigmar, my impression is that they're uh, they're more important than just a defense line. It's not like you get cover behind it. They actually do things and buff your army. Yeah, like the, the Numinous Oculum thing. I was actually reading up on it, and it has one buff for spellcasters, and nearby units, it can also like absorb and dispel magic cast against your units as well. Yeah, so it, so actually it is a defensive, stuff. yeah, it is a magic phase buffing part of your army. Yeah. Or yeah. hero phase, because there is no magic. Can phase. you destroy it? I don't recall. Because that's one of the things with the GW stuff that I never really liked is a lot of the terrain you just can't destroy. It's just a thing. Drop zone, you can destroy anything. I know. Which is It'll take a while, but you can do it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> You're like, oh, I damaged that building? Guys inside take some damage. Awesome. Now you A couple can't. of ocelots will do some serious damage. <laughs> um, was that an archer reference or was there actually a model? No. Have you seen this ocelot? This ocelot is amazing. <laughs> In the train. I like that you've actually started watching Archer now <laughs> so you get these jokes um, 
No, I, I think it's useful if you're playing Age of Sigmar if you're not, buy something else. It's pretty straightforward. Yep. Okay. There we go. So that really wraps that up. Uh, the last thing we're going to need to talk about then is upcoming events, and I believe Ward has a list in front of him. I always have a list of uh, upcoming events. Well, usually. I would say 90%. 90% of the time I have lists. Sometimes yeah. you're not here, and then uh, we all go, oh, what's coming up this week? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, Jesus. Tournaments? Oh, uh, <laughs> so, so at the time of this posting, uh, two tournaments will be going on at that time. And I'll be playing one of them. The Edmonton Warhammer League Open is running the 14th to the 16th. Good luck to everyone playing. Mm-hmm. Me. I'll uh, win. There's also... I'm playing Harlequin. So that's not gonna happen. <laughs> There's also an X-wing uh, spring tournament kit going on at All Star on the fifteenth. Uh, after that, Infinity has an ITS tournament running at All Star on the twenty-first, uh, just the evening from na- six till nine. Uh, and then there's the Drop Zone Commander uh, the day after on August twenty-second at All Star. That's a thousand. I'm points. detecting a trend. Holy all, shit, All-Star's all, running a lot of tournaments. There's a is lot that Saturday, August. Sunday? For um, the Drop Zone? Or is no, that Friday, Saturday? The, the Infinity would be the Friday, Drop Zone would be the Saturday. The Sunday, there is a, another ITS uh, event for Infinity in Red Deer uh, on August 23rd. Dice roll at 10 a.m., so if you're making a drive to Red Deer, uh, <laughs> be there at 9.30. And uh, then I've got some more that are... Or sorry, the uh, the last one that I've got for August would be the End Times tournament that Ryan Boyd is running on August 29th yep. at Alder. Get Rapal. your final fix of Fantasy Eighth, potentially. Yeah, potentially. yeah. So. Depending on how the community decides to roll with this, yeah. maybe not. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? So, so that's yeah. all the events for uh, August, and uh, yeah, cool. Some of us might be a few of those. Sounds I will good. Be playing 40k, and I'm sure you guys will all be there with me. There's a doubles tournament on Sunday. Fuck that. Okay, because we're getting really close to time, I'm just going to wrap this up right now so Dan doesn't have to fuck around with too crazy of a file. Um, This has been another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. Mike. And I'm Steve. And I can't believe there's fucking $7 pots of paint. Fuck! Tom, Tom. Paint your fucking models with not $7 pots of paint.